Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. You know, I have to start by saying, just giving you a little bit of my experience this week. Um, it has been a tremendous blessing to be in this church family and, and to see God provide everything that we have needed. Every skill and every talent to make this transition um, has been there. People have been working tirelessly to make this happen. And to me, that's been a blessing. Um, just because I see God. I see God at work. I see him providing everything. And we can expect that. He's going to provide everything we need in this storm. Um, you know, this morning, uh, I want to begin by telling you a story, a testimony, really, uh, of an experience I had this week. And I know you all are having unique experiences with what's going on. And and this is one of mine. And this is not just a side story. This is God has something really powerful, a gift to give us this morning, and this leads us right into it. So um, I'm going to tell you about going to the grocery store. Uh, we're, you know, my family, we're trying to be wise. Um, we're certainly not living in fear. We're not going to do that. But we're trying to do all the right things and follow recommendations when we can. But it came time to go to the grocery store. So, and it had been a few days we were holding off, and I went to go get things, and as I'm sure you all are doing, um, I had a very unique experience. I got into the grocery store, and I began to notice um, empty shelves. I'm sure you've all seen that. And as I walked in, it, it caused me to slow down. It caused me to kind of pause and stop in place, observe my environment, and and the next thing I did was have this moment where just an awareness of his presence, and I believe I even said out loud, you're here, aren't you, Lord? You're here, aren't you, Lord? And as soon as I did that and I invited him, um, I, j I just stood there in the entrance, and I invited him to show me, um, what are you doing? What, what are you saying? Um, you know, really... How do you respond to pandemic? But you're here, aren't you, Lord? And it, as soon as I did that, um, my focus shifted. And his presence became very intimate with me, and he started showing me things. You know, my eyes went from empty racks, and I started to notice that um, even in the midst of this, even with empty wrecks and I'll say one of the wrecks that was kind of empty was the meat rack and I'm a meat guy so that was disturbing <laughs> we can't be without meat <laughs> right but then I started to notice he shifted my gaze to to shelves that were full of high quality nutritious food and so even even in this I began to see the abundance of the Lord and as I walked on further, I started to observe most, most people were wonderful, and I started to observe people that were um, complaining, um, complaining to employees, people working hard to put food on the shelves. And, and the Lord shifted uh, very powerfully, shifted my gaze to those that were working to, to put food on the shelves, putting themselves at risk, really, um, to bless us, to do essential services. And... And I began to ask, Lord, and it really grieved me that there was complaining. 
And I began to ask the Lord, okay, so you're here. What are you doing? And he invited me to join him. He said, I want to bless the employees. And, and I knew that he had said that. So I made up my mind that I was going to thank every employee for working. And every time I did it, Every time I, I passed by someone who was working and I said, thank you for being here. I appreciate what you're doing. Their face would change. It would soften. Their soul was blessed. And then I started noticing humor. You know, one thing I've got to say is um, we, the human race, are a bunch of goofy people. I just have to put that out there. We are the goofiest creature that God has created. And, um, and it became really obvious, and I started seeing the humor of God. Now, I'm not making light. People are sick, and, and we have a crisis to weather. I am not minimizing suffering or anything else. I'm simply saying the humor of the Lord is in it. And somewhere in the Word of God, it says that laughter is medicine for the soul. And the Lord began to make me laugh, and I said, again, I said, well, what are you doing, Lord? I want to join it. And he I believe he told me, let's make as many people as we can laugh. And so I'm going to give you one more piece of this unique experience that I had. I was walking through the produce section, and, uh, and I noticed that it was mostly wiped out, right? There, there, it's, I've already noticed it's better already when I go to the grocery store now. That, but that evening, it was almost empty. But there was one spot in the produce section, one about, about three feet wide, that was the radish section. And it was clearly obvious that not one single bundle of radishes was taken from that section. And there was a woman standing there by the radish section, looking out over the emptiness. And, and I could tell that she had a heavy heart. And so as I passed by her, uh, I just kind of, we, we caught eyes, and I just said to her, Apparently, people don't have an appreciation for the radish. And we both had a good laugh. And as I was walking away, um, she, she shot me a final look with a more peaceful, a more peaceful face. And I could see that um, her soul had been lightened. And um, so, you know, we're not going to, I am not going to teach about all of that specifically this morning. I just, I really offer that testimony um, for this reason. The Lord's presence is everywhere. And it's always reaching out to us in the midst of it. The question is not whether the Lord's presence is with you, whether the Lord's presence is everywhere. The question is, is are we aware of it? Are we inviting him to be with us in it? Now that, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so uh, that's, that's my grocery story. And thank God we're in a nation that, that still has that abundance of food. Um, we are going to jump into the scripture. We, we're going to dig. We're going to dig this morning because there, there are wonderful things. Um, I'm just certain in my spirit that there, that there is a gift. There is a word from the Lord here. But I, I really have to set this up. Um, you know, um, coronavirus is a name. And in fact, I found I'm a terrible speller. Uh, my wife makes fun of me all the time. And um, I, in our original announcements going out from this church, I had it as two words, corona and virus. And, and then I found out that was wrong. I had to go redo everything. Then I didn't capitalize it. And, um, 
and I got scolded over that one too. And so now I've got it right, but you know it's a formal name, right? Coronavirus. But there is no name like the name of Jesus, and we really just have to start there. The the name of Jesus has authority over anything and everything that can come at us. Now, um, you know, before, and so I would like to stop and pray with you for a moment because, you know, here we do not just teach good messages. We, uh, we never want to just speak words or, or read the scriptures. We want the presence of God to, to make changes in our heart, and I believe that's going to happen. So will you pray with me? Um, Father, we ask um, in this time when there's anxiety, um, when we're all trying to figure out our schedules and routines. We're asking for your blessing and how we can help. I ask that your word would, would go out, that you would comfort us, that you would change us, but that this teaching would have your anointing on it, um, your ability in it, um, even as we listen remotely. In the authority of your name, Jesus. Amen. So, um, so here's what struck me. This is what the Lord put on my heart. One thing that is going on because of all of this that we're dealing with um, in, this, in this pandemic, right, is that I believe it's probably true for every viewer, every, every listener of the podcast, every viewer who's watching this, for all of us, our schedule has been blown apart. Now, I understand, um, in other words, our routine. And I, I understand that, that that can be polar opposites. Some of us are in a situation where um, we've been very busy, well, where we are, um, we are running, we, we have social gatherings and, and our work, and, and we barely stop and take a breath. And one of the things that's been caused is that um, suddenly we're slowing down. We now have the greatest calamity ever, being alone with ourself for some of us. A little bit of silence, a little bit of sitting back, the scariest thing in the world. Now, I also know that for others, um, what this has caused is, is uh, you know, for healthcare workers and essential service, many, many jobs, you still have to get to your job even if it causes anxiety to keep going out there and doing it. You, you have to pay the bills. You have to feed the family. And exactly the opposite's happening. You're busier than ever. The craziness is anxiety-causing, and this is what you're dealing with, or a little of both in your life. Um, but here's the point. Uh, you know, we, um, no matter which side we're on, um, we've had our normal shaken. And, uh, and we are in the throes of readjusting our lives to, to a shakeup that we're experiencing. Um, so having, that, that's really what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at Jesus here. And, you know, so often we pray, um, Lord, let your presence be with us. And, and that's fine. I, under, I pray that way, and, and I understand that prayer. The truth is, his presence is no more powerfully with us at, at this moment than it is at any other moment. The question is our awareness to his presence and whether we're joining him in his presence and what he's doing. So I want to bring up a couple of, we're going to talk about his presence, and I just want to talk about uh, some stories, um, some narratives we have of Jesus and how his presence comes sometimes. Um, how many of you realize that 
uh, his, and we should say awareness of his presence rarely comes to us when we expect it in the way we expect it. In fact, that's, that's the story of my life. It seems like, um, well, you know what? L- let's just leave it at that. Let's begin talking about one of the stories. There, there are two stories in the word of God of our Jesus, of our King, in which he shows up in such an odd way at a moment that they don't expect it, that, that it's actually kind of terrifying or definitely dissettling. We'll say that. In fact, in both of these stories, um, it's as if he showed up as a ghost. Before they're aware of who he is, before they're aware of his identity, uh, it's actually, it's frightening um, in terms of they don't even recognize that it's him yet. So in other words, in other words, listen to me now. In other words, his presence um, often comes in a way that we're not even aware that it is his presence yet. And I would say that this is especially true in times like this that we're dealing with or, or whatever the crisis is in your moment and whatever season you're in, especially when you're in the pandemic moment, when you're, when you're in the moment where everything is unsettled and the routine is shattered, his presence is not immediately recognized, but he's in it. And so the, the first story, and I know you all know this story, um, we're just, and I'm, we're not going to read this one. We'll, we'll read the next one. I'm just going to talk about this one since I know you know it. What, um, when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, his disciples are gathered in a room and they're terrified, right? There's a lot of anxiety in the room. And, and why is that? They are the disciples of Jesus. He was just put to death. So what, if, what are they thinking? They're thinking we're next, right? So they're cowering. They're trying. This is pandemic-sized chaos. They are trying to pray their way through this. And the next thing that happens is Jesus shows up in the room with them. I don't know how this works. I don't know if he walked through the wall. I don't know if he just appeared. It doesn't record the details of that for us. But I'm certain that that probably didn't, well, and we know from the narrative that that didn't put them at ease instantaneously. In fact, it probably pushed it the wrong direction. And you got to love our Jesus. He has the greatest sense of humor and he has the greatest person. He's my favorite person. I love you all, but he'll always be, be favorite. You're, you're my other favorites. <laughs> because he shows up and, and he says, peace be with you. Now, if you can't see the humor in that, um, work on it. <laughs> because laughter is medicine to the, to the soul. Uh, so he shows up in that room. Now, let's just recognize before we jump into our main story that, um, that he has just shown up at a time when they absolutely did not expect it. That's not what they were expecting. He just showed up in a way that probably made him clean their underwears out. That is not the way they expected it right? But the presence of Jesus, this intimate interaction that he's about to have with them, they leave this experience changed. They leave with a peace they didn't have before his presence came. Do you see this with me? Um, He shows up the way they don't expect. That's That's how it is for me. I, I hope you're relating with me. Now, <clears throat> here's where you grab your Bible 
If you'd grab your Bibles and and open to uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 30. And... uh, and this is another time, and you're going you're gonna to see with me, and I'll just be honest with you, I've never noticed this before so powerfully, but you're going to see with me an exact parallel in the way Jesus shows up in the storm. And, you know, before we jump in, let me, let me just put this out there. Um, actually, let's jump in. Just, just jump in with me, and th- this will come up. So I'm starting in verse 30. Mark chapter 6, and it begins like this. I'm going to move at kind of breakneck pace because I really want to slow down when we get into the gold of this. But here in verse 30, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things. So they've been out doing ministry. Those are the things that they're telling him, um, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Now, I'm going to keep reading, but just notice with me, you just heard Jesus' heart. He is always trying to get us to slow down, come aside and rest for a while. Why? Because that's where his intimacy meets us, okay? He go, it goes on and says, For there were many coming and going, and they, didn't, they did not even have time to eat. That's how hard they're working and the craziness that's going on. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them. So the crowds are beating them to the place and arriving before them. They're not really cooperating or helping out with this rest. And came together to him. And here's Jesus' heart again. Listen to this part. And, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Now I want to show you a pattern that we're going to see more and more powerful as we continue to move forward here. It says that Jesus had compassion for them. Why? He's noticing that as a people, they have a crisis. In this case, it's, it's a particular one. Their crisis is they're like sheep not having a shepherd. But In the crisis, he's moved with compassion for them, and people are pressing to have the presence of Jesus. It is a certain hunger. It's a certain invitation or looking for the presence that brings it here. I'm going to read on. It says, So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late, send them away, here's his heart again, um, that they may go into surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So now track with me. Crisis number two that we're seeing. We're going to see a series of them. And I know crisis is a big word. But this is an anxiety for the disciples. They're saying the way we're doing things here is not going to work out for the people. How are we going to meet their need? I'm feeling a little bit like that with this camera in front of me. But this is what they're feeling, okay? And, and this is where you have got to love our Jesus. Verse 37, Jesus says, But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. You have to love this guy. Watch this now. They're having a crisis that is far beyond their capability, far beyond what they're able to handle. And Jesus is not shy about leaving it in their hands. 
He loves to do it. He puts it back in their hand. Listen to what he says. He says, you give them something to eat. It had to be mind-blowing, and we know that it was, because if you read on, it says, and they said to him, and, and I think this is kind of um, in jest. I really do. You can interpret it how you interpret it. But listen to what they say. They say, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? See, they know that that's not going to feed the whole crowd. He knew their limitations. He knew what they were facing. And he still put it right back on them. You feed them. Now, we all know that he ends up feeding them. But this is the context that leads us to our main story. And if you'll go with me, starting in verse 45, now we're starting to dig into to the main story, and I know that there's gold here. Um, it would be ridiculous for me to stand here and teach a message that is not connected to the realities that you're dealing with and all that's going on in the world. So, and so that is not what I'm going to do. That this is this story that we are about to read is the story of what we're all going through, and so I, I challenge you to think of it that way. So. Starting in verse 45, uh, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. I want you to see, I want you to see Jesus. He sent them off. To, to take them out of the craziness. Why? Because um, hopefully you already know, but let me just tell you, he's planning an intimate moment. He's planning to have his presence meet them in this thing that they're in. Okay? He's planning this for, why? Because he loves them that much. You see, now, now listen to me. I have to stop and say this. I've, I've heard some of the most disgusting things as 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 a world and as a community and truly as the church as we weather this um this illness that's going around things like well god is god has brought this upon us because he wants to teach us something or um this is god's punishment because of the ways we've gone astray and let me just say that that's disgusting um let's be clear god is not capable of evil god does not make the storm but listen to me now he is the presence in the storm. And his presence is always reaching out to be with us. It's just, are we aware of him in the storm? You're here, aren't you, Lord? You see, it's that. He doesn't make the storm. He's the presence in the storm. So go with me to um, continue on verse 47. Um, it says, now, when evening came... The boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. So, so get this with me. This is the scene. Um, the, the disciples, the knuckleheads, are all out in a boat in the middle of the sea, and Jesus is alone on the land, okay? And, and I, I call them knuckleheads um, as an endearing thing. It makes me feel at home. <laughs> with them to see, you know, it always makes me feel at home how they're knuckleheads. It's, that it just works for me. Um, so they're out there. He's on the land alone. And verse 48 says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. That is so loaded with gold. Now track with me. They are out in the middle of the sea in this little boat. 
The storm is against them. And it literally tells us that they are, he saw them straining at rowing. Does anybody have these moments? You're having one right now. I know you are. Where some of the things going on in your life, you're straining at rowing. And the wind is against you. And this says he sees that. Now I want to tell you something. There's a principle here that is just absolutely true. When we're straining at rowing, his eyes are on us. And he is planning for you intimate moments for you to become aware of his presence. For you to receive gifts of his presence. He loves you like that. He, he has loved me like that all week. It is actually the storm... It is actually the the shattering of the routine that makes me aware of his presence that sees me and wants to have an intimate moment with me. And that's what's recorded here. And that's true for you. It goes on and says, Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Please see the humor with me. First of all, we picture Jesus, you've seen paintings and we imagine Jesus walking on the water and it's always, it's always a nice glass surface or a nice calm sea, but that is not the story. This is telling us that there's terrible winds, they're in the middle of the storm. He's, I have trouble picturing it. I don't know how that worked, but he is walking across waves that are being caused by a storm. And the disciples are, are in the boat in this storm, they're struggling, and you can't make this up. It says, and he would have passed them by. It says that. That is the humor of God. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is walking along <laughs> out in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, and he would have passed them right by. What is that telling us? He would have passed them by. Go to verse 49. Continue with me. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. Now track the pattern with me, okay? We talked about one story. He showed up in a way that they didn't expect. He showed up at a time that they didn't expect. He, in that room, on the day that he rose, he had to prove his identity to them. Are you tracking? It was only after they were secure and, oh Lord, it's you, that they could come to peace in that upper room. And we're going to see that that is also true here in the middle of another storm in the middle of other craziness, out here in this boat, it's exactly the same. He's going by, uh, he's going by, he would have passed them by, and they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. They're fearful. Fearful. Now, you've got to catch that. They're, they're fearful. What are they fearful over? Or what are they startled by? It, it's his presence. He did not, they did not recognize him immediately. He did not come the way they would expect him. It took them a moment to come into an awareness that this this is our master. This is our king. This is my savior. This is Jesus. But at first they're startled. I hope you're relating. Um, Verse 50 says, For they all saw him and were troubled. And here's, you you have to love Jesus. Um, Here's Jesus' response. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. If you can't see the humor in that. He's walking (laughs) across the waves in this storm. He would have passed them by, but, but, oh, did you notice me here? And what he has to say is be of good cheer. 
That's a little bit like peace be with you when he walked through the wall and showed up in that room. Okay, <laughs> so I want to I show you some, some other things in the same narrative from a different gospel. Keep your finger in Mark because um, we're going to go back there, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 just for a time here. We're going to start in verse 22. And, uh, and let, me, let me say again, this is, this is the same uh, narrative, the same recording of this moment, this moment of intimacy between Jesus and his disciples. Um, and it, it's just another recording that gives us some details I want to catch. Here in, actually I said 22, we're going to start in verse 25. And it says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. So you can see it's the same narrative. Now keep going with me. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. Now, now stop and look here for a minute. They're, they're in this crisis. They're in this moment. Jesus has just appeared in a way that they didn't expect. At a time they didn't expect. And, and you know they all didn't have the same reaction you, you know that, right? So one of them was so furious, furiously trying to paddle because um, the wind was against them that he didn't even notice Jesus. He needed another, I don't, I don't know who was who, but he needed another disciple. It was one of the disciples who noticed Jesus walking by first. Maybe Peter. Maybe that's what we're gathering here. I don't know. But when you know that they are individuals they're having their own experience in the storm, just like we are right now. And people are having different reactions to the presence of Jesus in the storm. And for just a moment, we're going to focus on Peter's. And Peter is the one who says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. What is that? Think about this with me for a minute. This is Peter saying um, that, Lord, you're here, aren't you? I just figured out you're here. This, is, this changes everything. And what's his response to, Lord, you're here, aren't you? His response is, um, let me join what you're doing. Tell me to come, if it's you, if it's truly you, tell me to come out of the boat. If you're walking on water, I want to walk on water. See, now I relate with that. That was me. This is not me all the time. I'm not claiming that. I'm saying that was me at the grocery store. The Spirit of God stilled my heart and made me say, you're here, aren't you, Lord? What are you doing? Because whatever that is, I want to join it. I want to see what you're doing. And you know, he did not refuse. He did not refuse my heart to say, I want to be awake to your presence here. I want to do what you're doing. What do you want to say to people? I want to say that. And that's what Peter's doing here. Peter, Peter here is saying, command me to come to you on the water. And what does Jesus say? He does not refuse that. Jesus says to Peter, come. Not all the disciples. The one who said, what are you doing? I want to join that. And when Peter, so it reads on and says, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water 
to go to Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something with me here. Peter gets a bad rap. We always focus on the deep dive that he does. But just notice with me um, for just a minute here that Peter is doing it just as well as Jesus. <laughs> he's accepted the invitation to come out of the, the boat and he's walking on the water. We rarely focus on that. Peter is walking on the water with Jesus. And, and just let me say that that's how it is with, well, I, I, let me read on because this is, this is the story of my life and I hope you can relate with me. This, anytime I'm aware that my, my life is a ministry, my life is an invitation to be intimate with Jesus every moment, everything that I'm doing, th this is pretty much the story. Um, I have a great enthusiasm. Lord, I want to go with you. Tell me to step out of the boat. And I step out of the boat. I'm doing a great job with him. And, and then there's more to the story in my life. And it's something like this. In verse 30, it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. <laughs> story in my life. Okay, lots of great passion, join Jesus, and at some point along the journey, I take my eyes off of him, I look at the storm, instead of him, I begin to sink. How fast our prayers change. I hope you even, you know, there is humor here too. There's, there's humor in Peter. Uh, Peter's prayer goes from, Lord, call me out to do crazy things with you. And I mean, in, in a second, in a moment in time, his prayer is transformed to a desperate, Lord, save me. Can anybody relate? And, and as you read on in the word of God, you find out Peter has these moments um, continuously. Um, in, in some of the next passages, Peter is having these great interactions with Jesus and then, Lord, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from this calamity. passion and enthusiasm and then and then I'm sinking like crazy can you relate going on in verse 31 it says and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat listen to these words when they got into the boat the wind ceased those are those are powerful words if you think about it for a minute. Um, other places record Jesus commanding the waters to be still and things like that. But, you know, here it just says when Jesus is in the boat with you, when they got back in the boat and Jesus was in the boat with the knuckleheads, for them, the storm ceased. There was a peace. There was a peace in the presence of God. He's the presence in the storm. He doesn't make the storm. He doesn't cause the storm. He's not capable of evil, but he is the presence in the storm. And when he's in the boat with us, we get that opportunity. We get that moment for those intimate moments that he's planned for us because he's crazy about you. He's looking to get into your boat. And when he gets into the boat, we have that, you're here, aren't you, Lord? It completely changes the storm for us when we stop and say, you're here, aren't you, Lord? You've been here all along. Your eyes have been watching me struggle. Goes on, verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. 
Now, I want you to notice something. I, I never really saw it this way before, and, and I want you to look with me from this perspective. Um, do you notice that Peter's terrible performance brings people to an awareness of God's identity and, and concludes in them worshiping him? Do you see that? Uh, our God is, uh, is not a performance God. He's not, I, I know you have anxieties. I know there are struggles. You're trying to figure out life in all of this craziness, just like they were trying to figure out life in this storm. And he did not look for a perfect performance from Peter in order to bring the world to the worship of him. In fact, it was in Peter's messiness it was in his limitations, like, like in the context as I started this story where, where they, the, the crisis was feeding a crowd that was too big and they didn't have the resources. He knew their limitations. It was not in their perfect performance. Ultimately, in that story, he was the one that showed up and fed the people. But he did leave it in their hands for just a moment. He said, you feed the people. And here, again, we see that. I'm going to read that again, verse 33. Then those who were in the boat, so observers of the intimacy, um, the impact we have on our world from having intimacy with Jesus has an impact on those who watch or those who hear the testimony of our, of our intimacy with him when we stop to be awake to his presence. And, and Peter's... Um, less than stellar performance uh, was enough. It was, it was more than enough. In fact, in fact, it was his heart that gave Jesus something to work with. And the end result was that they worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. From, from far less than a perfect performance. Now I'm going to jump back um, I'm uh, just, and I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up here and then I want to pray with you. Um, but I'm going to jump back um, to Mark chapter 6 um, where we were and I'm going to pick back up in verse 51. You're going to see that it's the same narrative and we're just continuing on. Uh, and in verse 51 it says, Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. So there it was, the same thing recorded in, in both Gospels. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. And, and I'm not going to touch that, because that requires more context. We would have had to start earlier to see, to, to hear the details about those loaves. But move on with me to verse 53. It says, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched him, were made well. Now, now listen to me. That said, it, it, this really speaks to our times, okay? But it, it also speaks on a personal level. So gather this. As many touched him 
were made well. Now, I tell you all the time, um, uh, when we read the Word of God, we are reading uh, physical pictures of our spiritual reality. And I want to tell you, if, um, if you have any awareness like I do, you know that you, you have illness. Okay? I, have play, I am a work in progress. Um, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I am a work in progress. And I have places that need the touch of Jesus. But I want you to notice something. The hunger. It is not a coincidence that this occurs right after the narrative of the presence of Jesus in the storm with them. So, so don't lose context. But it's important to recognize here that the hunger, what it is that drives them, to reach out for an awareness, for, for, um, for a connection to that presence of Jesus is the illness. Do you understand? They are clamoring. You may remember in the story, one of the things we read first is that the crowds were, they were trying to, to get away for rest, for solitude, uh, and the crowds are beating them there. Okay? And it is, it is the illness it is the crisis that is causing this hunger in people to beat Jesus and the disciples everywhere they try to go. He, Jesus did not create the illness, but his presence in the illnesses of their times was the blessing. He does not make the storm. He does not make the illness, but but the storm certainly causes us to, to have an awareness, to, to, um, to heighten our awareness of his presence in it. And that's a gift. That part is, is the gift. And you know, we, we reach a place in our lives where um, we are just like these people. Um, I have my anxieties. I have my struggles. I have the issues that I'm dealing with, but if I can just get to him, if I can just touch him, and I want you to know, um, the Lord wants you to know that he is not limiting his presence to you. He is not withholding himself. He, he is eager for, for us to reach out, for us to be in tune to an awareness of his presence in the storm. And so often the sh these shattered routines that we are dealing with now, whether you're slower and you're dealing with the crisis of being alone with yourself or whether, or whether your world has, has just exploded into craziness or both, the shattering of routine and, and illness and crisis around us does give us a unique moment to be aware, to be awake to his presence. He's crazy about you like that. He is making himself available like that. But we, we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to be still enough and, and invite and make, and make our lives, make moments in our lives where our hunger for an intimate moment with him is, is the most powerful thing happening in our heart and it just opens it to the Lord we need to stop and go Lord you're here aren't you and what are you saying to me in the midst of the storm 
in the midst of the pandemic. You're here, aren't you, Lord? How are you trying to love me right at this moment? What is it you want me to join into? And over and over in the word of God, we see that when we do that, he does not refuse us. He will meet you intimately. He will love you with what you need. He will invite you to join him in what he's doing. Even if it's, what are you doing, Lord? I want to make people laugh. People have heavy hearts in this store. I want to make, I want to make people laugh. Now, Lord, I can join you in that. Are you tracking with me? It's in the present moment. You see, it would be possible for any one of us or for all of us to weather this entire coronavirus situation that we're in and completely miss the presence of Jesus throughout, throughout the whole thing. It's also completely an option for us to, to stop and make sure that we are having those moments where we say, you're here, aren't you, Lord? So I want to leave you with um, this one last challenge, okay? Are you ready for this? This is your mission, should you choose to accept. Sometime this week, when you recognize that your normal has been shattered, that could be like at every moment, I get that. But we're going to ask, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to awaken moments where, where you have this deep awareness that your normal has been shattered, your routine has been shaken, and the presence of God is in it. And, and I challenge you when, you, when you recognize that moment, here's the challenge, I challenge you, stop, take a moment, and, and just say you're here, aren't you, Lord? Be still enough to let him speak into it. Notice, ask him to help you. Notice the details that he wants you to notice and how he's speaking through them. And ask him, how am I to join you, Lord? More than anything, as you, as you awaken my spirit and you make me aware of your presence in this moment, the last part of the mission, just to ask him if there's some way that he's inviting you to join him in what he's doing in that moment. And I just, with the greatest assurance from the bottom of my heart, I can promise you, when you do that, when you accept that mission, he is going to meet you right there. I know him well enough to tell you that um, he will not leave that prayer, that moment of stillness that you offer him unmet. He is eager to meet with you. He's crazy with you like that. He is crazy in love with you. And he's waiting for you to be awake to his arm reaching out to have an intimate moment with you. And so to conclude, um, may I just pray for you? Will you just pray with me for a moment? Lord, I thank you that, um, that crises and storms and uh, pandemics and, and earthquakes and tsunamis don't surprise you. I thank you that there is no evil that can touch the authority of your name. We thank you that we have a God that we can rest in and, and that you are not just a God out there. I praise you for that. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who is intimately with me all the time. Whether my spirit is awake 
to your presence or not. I give you my faith that you're right there. And, and I ask in the authority of your name for, for every listener, for every viewer, everyone that's with us right now, that, uh, that this week they would have moments with you like this. Moments where you show up in a startling way, a way that they don't expect when they don't expect it and their routine is shattered. But I ask in your Holy Spirit that you would give them an awareness of your presence and that you would give them an awareness of the intimate moment that you want to have with each of them. And we ask, Lord, that, um, that we would receive the gifts that you offer in the midst of the storm. We don't want to miss it. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.